Blog Talk Radio. I own it, I did that, not proud that that was me, and when I face it, I take back a little dignity, not looking for excuses, I just want to be free from power. Welcome to the Bubble Hour, where real people tell real stories of addiction and recovery. My name is Jean. I write the blog Unpickled, which tells my story of recovery for over five years, uh, right from day one to today. And I am very pleased to be here with you. This is the last episode of 2016 for the Bubble Hour. I will be taking off November and December. If you follow my blog, I'm pickled, you'll know these past few months, they haven't been that easy. So I'm going to walk the talk here and practice some of the self-care that I'm always reminding uh, listeners and readers to give to themselves. I'm going to apply some of that to myself. So the Bubble Hour will return with new episodes in the new year. And meanwhile, I encourage you to go to thebubblehour.com. And I put a little search bar on there. So you, if you search the word holiday in the search bar, you will get all the archive shows that we have about getting through the holiday season. And I really encourage you to go and listen to some of those over November and December, because this time of year can really be triggering for people, especially in early recovery, but at any stage, all the parties, all the family get-togethers and even just the pressures of this time of year um, really can put a lot of pressure on your recovery. So I encourage you to feather your nest with good recovery. Um, that's why we call it the bubble hour. You can build yourself a little bubble that supports your recovery. So I encourage you to, uh, to go and listen to those. On this episode... I'm pleased to welcome a reader and a listener named Corey, who reached out last summer to share that she was just a few weeks into sobriety and appreciated the online resources that she was finding. So we wrote back and forth over the past many months. And then uh, just a few weeks ago, she wrote to say that she was celebrating her first soberversary. So I called, uh, I touched base and asked her to come on the show and talk about her experiences. So Corey, welcome to the Bubble Hour and congratulations on your first anniversary of recovery. Thank you very much. I am so glad you're here. We should say there's been a little bit of a pause since the last episode. And the reason for that is because I had you lined up last week. (laughs) (laughs) I came racing home from work uh, on a lunch hour to record the show and found that I had locked myself out of the house. And I phoned yeah. you almost in tears from my driveway. And I was like, ah. <laughs> and you're so, you were so sweet. So, um, well, so we rescheduled. I maybe love you more because I do that kind of stuff all the time too. So, <laughs> uh, And you said, what does your mom tell you? You need a oh, wife. My mom tells me that I need a wife. Yes, yeah. to keep track of all my stuff. Yes, I agree. Or one of those like um, online personal assistants that check yeah. in. And although I don't yeah. know, an online assistant couldn't help me break into my house that day. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyways, um, I'm really glad you're here because, uh, well, 
when you first wrote to me, you were like two weeks sober. Yep. And and you were pretty solid at two weeks. It sounded like like you were pretty excited. Or how? Yeah. How did you feel at that point? You know, um, at the time, I felt. I think I felt strong, but looking back now, I realize how raw I actually was. Um, yeah. And I think it, I had been thinking about stopping drinking for a long time and then couldn't. Um, and when I finally did, I felt like, okay, this, this was the right decision. I don't, it didn't make it any easier, but, um, you know, at that time I was struggling but finding all these online resources and, like, blogs had really been helpful. And I think when I reached out to you, I was, like, 13 days sober. And with my kids and going to a cabin that we have where I had, you know, always had wine in the evenings after being with my kids, and I recognized that as being a big trigger. So I sent you out an email, and when I was there, I got your response, and just that email was such a big deal for me um, and just helped me just so much. And it, it just taught me that even a little thing can help someone a lot with their sobriety. Mm-hmm. Um, just that little bit and, of connection, right? Yeah. And I'm someone I tried to do like the chat groups or commenting and that kind of thing. And it just wasn't really um, a good fit for me. And so I was just kind of having a hard time like, finding that group um, to connect or, or, you know, just really anyone. So that, that one email meant, meant a lot to me. Oh, well, that's good to hear. And mm-hmm. I, I think it speaks to the power of reaching out. So I'm glad you did yes. because that, I know I found that too when I first got sober and I, I, I posted a blog post and then I went on Twitter. So I don't know, I didn't really know what I was doing, but anyway, my blog mm-hmm. post <laughs> automatically tweeted or something and the next day I got responses and I remember just standing in my kitchen and crying because I wasn't alone you know just that feeling of I didn't know who these people were they were Mm -hmm. no one I knew no one I um, you know but but just Mm -hmm. knowing that we connected was so so wonderful but I don't want to get sidetracked before we hear your story um okay so let's let's go back let's start by hearing your story let's hear about your relationship with alcohol and how it became addiction and how that became recovery okay so I um I don't know if I was ever a normal drinker but just going through like it's not like I started at a really early age or um you know, I'm not sure what my warning signs were, but just through high school, you know, parties occasionally, but sports and that kind of thing. So it was kind of like regulated and in college, the same thing, like we would drink and, you know, socialize, but again, playing sports or, you know, I was just kind of like regulated. Then I think, um, you know, just finding my way through my twenties and that kind of thing. I feel like I probably have always had a hard time with moderation, including like everything from Halloween candy to, you know, eating or consuming or that kind of thing. But um, I think once I got into my 30s and just kind of settled into a life, which I love, um, but it was just kind of maybe more monotonous than I was used to. And so, you know, drinking wine, which is like a socially acceptable thing, 
and um, then you have kids, and then it's like, oh, yeah, mommy's time out, or, yes, mom needs to drink a lot of wine, and I'm not blaming you on anything else. But, you know, just as you're thinking, like, oh, I'm starting to drink more, and then you look out into the universe kind of and say, oh, that's okay. You know, I'm I'm just doing what a lot of other moms do. So then as my kids got a little bit older, I just started thinking to myself that that, you know, 5 o'clock hour or having enough wine in the house was becoming important to me and taking up a lot of headspace of, like, whether or not we were going to have enough wine at home um, or calling my husband and saying, oh, can you, you know, pick up a bottle on your way home and that kind of thing. So it's hard for me to pinpoint when it turned the corner into a problem. But what I can say is that it was probably like at least a few years of me knowing that I should stop before I actually stopped. So it's that like little voice inside of you that's saying this is a problem. And, um, but I didn't, I didn't do anything about it. Um, I also should just let everyone know I have, um, alcoholism in my family. Um, my dad who is not involved, he was an alcoholic and, um, my siblings, one has had a problem with it and one doesn't drink. So when I, I guess it was not this past summer, the summer before and first like, I just really started thinking about it, and I was doing that, um, okay, I'm not going to drink tonight, but then would drink, and then wake up at 2 or 3 a.m. just feeling really, really bad about myself, and feeling bad, and, you know, it was just the cycle, just the same thing every day, and I finally told myself, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to stop drinking on my son's birthday, and his birthday came and went, and I drank, and then I think that was like on a Tuesday. His birthday was on a Tuesday. And I had a sibling here who doesn't drink. Of course, we've never talked about it. That's kind of what my family does. We don't really talk about things. But he was here visiting me, and he doesn't drink. So I think in some way that helped me a lot. And on that Friday, I just decided I'm not going to drink. And we all went out to a restaurant, and um, my mom was here too, and these, this couple that I knew was there, and they said, oh, you know, please let me, let us buy you a drink. We'd love to buy you a glass of wine. <clears throat> and my mom said, oh, just let them buy you a glass of wine, because I hadn't really opened up to her, and she didn't really know about my struggles. But I found it interesting that the day I decided not to drink, you know, I see <laughs> someone, <laughs> and they say, oh, we want to buy you a drink, because, of course, you know, the day before I would have said, oh, of course. And something in me just you know, I don't know what it was, and but I just decided, you know what, no, I'm not going to do it. And I didn't take, you know, I didn't take that offer. And that was just like something that happened that the universe threw in my lap that kind of gave me some resolve and just said, okay, that was my first time of like saying I don't want it. And it just kind of went from there. How did that so, feel on that first day? Did that feel like a little triumph? Just... It felt really good and, like, really hard at the same time. So I think, um, like, when I mentioned being raw, it's just, like, it's such a roller coaster. And, you know, when you're in it, you don't even just, like, realize (laughs) how hard it is. But it did feel like, okay, that was my first step, you know, to this this, this new path that I'm on. 
And I think mm-hmm. even though my sibling and I have never, ever even talked about it, I think having um, that presence there as someone who has chosen not to drink and, yeah. you know, just I look up to him, to my brother, and I, that was, like, very helpful. And, like, even though we didn't communicate about it, having someone there in solidarity was very helpful. Yeah. That's interesting, isn't it? I I had a coworker who never drank, and um, and I don't know why he didn't, but, and, mm-hmm. you know, he was this young, handsome guy who whatever, mm-hmm. no matter what stuff that we did, he never drank. And I just remember watching him just how he conducted himself and how he still had fun and was, you know, like there was a long time where I just like, I'd pay attention and I'd think, Hey, he's, it's doable. I know people can do this. I don't know if I can, but. (laughs) Yeah. I think at first it seems like so impossible. It just seems so impossible. And that, you know, that's why a lot of those, everybody says, you know, just, take it that one day at a time or don't envision the rest of your life. Just envision a a short period of time because back then I thought, oh, my gosh, I could never envision myself not drinking. And Mm -hmm. now, even though I definitely have my moments, it's like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe how how sick I was and how much it controlled my life. So tell me what that looked like what or what it felt like from the inside to be controlled by alcohol as a mom and a working woman and a wife. What was that like? Yeah. I, I think I had, I was like everybody else or, you know, a lot of people who think to have a problem with alcohol, you have to be, um, you know, have something really big happen. I think that's a common misconception that I face still to this day when I tell people I don't drink is that, oh, what happened? You know, like something big has to have happened. You crashed your car. You got a DUI. You um, got your kids taken away. You went to, you know, everyone wants it to be some big catastrophic event because Mm -hmm. that makes them feel feel safe. And really, for me, it, it was the daily grind of feeling bad about myself and, um, you know, it was just that telling myself I'm better than this, but then still drinking. And, um, you know, you just get in this cycle. And, I, of, and also just this fear of, of being different. And um, what really, so what it looked like was just, you know, kind of like at 5 o'clock, I would tell, you know, like, oh, I deserved it. That's what I would tell myself. Or it does feel good to have, like, holding a glass of wine after you've <laughs> spent all day with my kids who am I love. But, you know, it's hard work. And I think it was kind of like my treat. And so, sure, one glass of wine is a treat and you relax. But it was turning into, um, to be honest, like three or four glasses a night, which, by the way, is a bottle. And, yeah. um, and they probably know, weren't five-ounce measures, right? No. <laughs> giant and then um like the classic thing of oh I'll buy a box and so because there was a lot of I had a lot of shame about it and so buying the box so that you know people wouldn't know how much I was actually drinking and Mm. um you know so it was never anything outward I think it was more internal even though I wanted Mm -hmm. and I know that's like I'm sure other people noticed but it it wasn't anything where like my friends were concerned. And actually, when I told my husband, he, he wasn't um, he didn't say like, oh yeah, I've been noticing that or anything like that. 
you know, so I don't know if I was like good at hiding it or, or what, but I was really checking out. And I think that's, that was my big lesson is like, yep, I'm just at five o'clock. I'm going to just drink and kind of check out just to kind of um, numb, almost like numb the monotony. And then, you know, and I I think it's just like hard, but I did kept thinking to myself, okay, so this is what I'm doing now. And I basically need a bottle a night. Um, What's this going to look like in five years or in 10 years? And I think having example of a parent, I have one parent who's amazing and the one who is an alcoholic and just seeing my kids grow up and thinking, you know, what kind of example am I setting and why do I want to keep feeling bad about myself? Um, Right. And and also, like, I'm telling myself I want to stop drinking, but I can't, and that seems like it might be a problem. (laughs) So that's what it looks like for me is more of just that kind of, um, and I'm sure I wasn't, it wasn't hidden from everybody, but, you know, it wasn't like this glaring, I wasn't going out and getting, um, you know, like slurring drunk or anything, but it would more be like, oh, I'll have a glass of wine before I go out, have a couple glasses out, and then come home and have a couple more glasses. You know, it mm-hmm. was more like at home with myself where it was the biggest problem. Yeah. Yeah, me too. That that was very much my pattern. Actually, pretty much everything you said resonates with really? with my pattern. And it, it can make it hard to stick to your guns in the long run because it, you can always kind of say, I was never that bad, you know, or people say, mm-hmm. well, I never saw you. You know, you're probably okay now because they didn't really, they didn't see. And if they had known, like if, when I'm, if I wrote down, you know, how much I drank and handed it to mm-hmm. them and they'd look at and not know it was me, they'd say, yeah, this is problematic drinking. But because, right. you know, as women, we're, especially if you have grown up with enough dysfunction in your home, which doesn't have to be much to make you that great shape-shifting codependent kind of person who's a real people mm-hmm. pleaser and knows how to make things look good on the outside and completely ignore going mm-hmm. on inside. Um, yeah, it can can make it really hard for people to know there's a problem. So Mm -hmm. they keep telling you you're okay. And, you know, it's easy to believe that. So how do you stay motivated for the long run? Knowing that, like, if you don't have a a low bottom or a real, like, oh, God, I never want to, you know, do X, Y, Z again. How do you stay motivated for the long run? So I try not to look too far into the future, <laughs> but yeah. I also, um, there was a couple of books I read and, um, just that attitude of feeling free. So I sometimes get wistful, you know, when people are like, ah, let's go, we, you know, we deserve a drink or, you know, I need a drink and just imagine myself having like one glass of wine in the sun or, you know, you go to that place, but then it's like, give me a break. I know that it was like always more, like it was never enough. Like that one glass of wine mm-hmm. was never enough. And so being free from that has been great for me. And I did have a hard time with other, um, you know, as you're going through the blogs or books or whatever, you know, um, people who are just so wistful about the drinking and that kind of thing. It was more of like, I guess, along the lines of Jason Bale or whoever, where it's like, you know, you deserve that freedom from alcohol. And so once you... For me, and I'm, I'm not saying it's always easy, but for me, it's just 
being able to give up that um, the headspace of just constantly worrying about where you're going to drink, if it's going to be enough, why do I still keep drinking, and just kind of that internalized drama is what really, you know, getting rid of that has really just helped me stay on track. And um, self-care, I know it's, you know, talked about a lot, but when I feel myself getting down or, um, you know, wanting to drink again, I really just go back to, like, you know, just thinking about how free I feel and how happy and how much more I love myself. Because I think part of my pattern was kind of wanting to feel bad about myself, which mm-hmm. I know sounds weird, but it's like, hey, you don't deserve to be happy and to be free. You deserve to feel like crap about yourself all the time. And what an easy way to do it with drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's so many levels. I think that get you to that point. But I also remember one of your emails said to me, and it really hit home, was, you know, a bottle of wine a night is a slow suicide. And it it was true. And I just thought, what am I doing to myself? And mm-hmm. um, I think about what kind of mom I want to be and what kind of person in 10 years I want to be. And that kind of, that helps me stay on track. Um, but really, mm-hmm. like, I, you know, when I when I first quit, I thought, oh, I'm gonna be, <laughs> I'm gonna be so skinny, I'm gonna be so healthy, and you know, <laughs> an Iron Man, and you know, like, <laughs> yeah, no, I still sit on the couch, you know, every night and hang out, um, and you know, that's I still am who I am, but I'm okay with it, yeah. and I actually like it, and so I think the self love that I found has helped me on track so far do you think you were drinking past that a little bit like do you think that's part of what you were trying to numb was the was how you felt about yourself or 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 just weren't acknowledging how you felt you know I don't know if it was like it was probably the perfect storm of a bunch of things you know one is my probably genetic disposition but yeah just that like self-sabotage kind of thing Mm -hmm. I think that I was, yeah, like in this pattern of just not wanting to make it past, past, you know, I wanted to get in my own way or something. I'm not, you know, I haven't quite figured out what all the elements were of why I was drinking so much, but I think part of me was bored. I think part of me, you know, you get into that midlife kind of rut where you're like, wait, this is it. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think having, kids and all that stuff, even though it's amazing, it's really hard. And I think you yeah. just get into that pattern. And I'm not, yeah. I'm so thankful I broke out of it. And I think, oh my gosh, if I hadn't, it, it was about to get bad enough where everyone would say, oh yeah, good. It's a good thing to stop drinking. You know, just knowing you have the genetic predisposition in the first place is one mm-hmm. thing. And then I really think, wonder if if our North American society and women that find themselves I mean we just hear so many common stories of people uh, of women in particular that are working their butts off exhausted you know and and we're pitched alcohol as this wonderful you know enhancement this you know a glass of wine a day is good for you and um 
it's a lethal combination, to be honest. Like when I, whenever I hear someone say that, oh, yeah, have a glass of red wine or glass of red wine a day is good for you. I'm like, well, Mm -hmm. not if you have genetics for alcoholism. (laughs) And even if you don't, like cut that BS right now, because that's that study first of all if you you don't have to look very far into that study to find out that it's Mm -hmm. complete bs and Mm -hmm. it's junk science that's sort of been uh you know mis not mishandled by the press but you know it's easy reporting oh you know and and then Mm -hmm. it's one of those things that we want to believe so we keep touting it but yeah it's like there's this perfect recipe that we can fall into and um Fortunately, you have the awareness, think, right? To, to yeah, see it. And I think for me, there was also all that, um, you know, like social media, as much as I am like, oh, social media, of course, I'm still on it. And like blogs and everything have been incredibly helpful. But I think there's a lot of things out there doing a disservice to women who drink. And, you know, it's like promoting it and also saying, hey, you deserve this. And, hey, everybody's doing it, which is fine for women who don't have a problem. But I think there are a lot of us out there who are that aren't Mm -hmm. doing enough about it because we see all that stuff and we're being, um, you know, I noticed like after I stopped drinking, like when I would watch TV, like the commercials and the shows, like everybody's drinking on on TV. You know, you really, once you stop doing it, you start noticing that Mm -hmm. and like on Instagram and Facebook you know all these people posting that stuff and it's like it's very culturally common to be drinking like all the time and I Mm -hmm. think for me it's like oh as a mom this is my one thing that I deserve and this is my this is what makes me feel sophisticated you know grabbing that wine glass I just feel sophisticated and you know like hey I've worked my bottom off all day with my kids so I deserve this. Yeah, it's kind was. of the antidote to like the mummy blahs, right? Like you sort of, yeah. you lose yourself during those really yeah. intense years of being a young mom. And um, it, I guess for anything you're pursuing, you know, even for people that don't have kids, um, it, yeah. it, it's when you lose yourself in what you're doing and then you, you um, grasp at straws to try to get it back. Um, yep. And like that, the monotony of, every day, which I don't mean to see, sound so pessimist, pessimistic, but I think there's just some times in our lives that are just, you know, you get into patterns and um, mm-hmm. with your life and everything and work and, and all of a sudden you're just kind of bored. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that was the only reason, but I think when you just get into the pattern of drinking, you know, to kind of like not feel so dissatisfied at the end of it, dissatisfied at the end of the day, I think that's, um, one of the things that contributes to a lot of women drinking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Dowsett Johnson in the book, uh, drink, which is sort of a look mm-hmm. at, at women and alcohol and the relationship. She calls it an alcogenic culture that we live in that really celebrates alcohol because there's so much money to be made with the female market is an emerging market for alcohol producers and um, it's not emerging, it's growing. Uh, it's been mm-hmm. emerged for a while. And um, so they, you know, they have a lot to gain from selling to this demographic. And, and mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with that in, you know, in theory, and I don't have a problem with anybody drinking. The problem is when it is that is the stigma of, um, 
of people coming forward to say they're addicted to alcohol. I mean, if we're, mm-hmm. it's addictive. So if we're going to make it okay for people to drink, if it's going to be legal and it's going to be part of our, you know, our commerce, we have to understand that people will get addicted to it. And we know that with smoking. I mean, if you, if you start smoking, you know, no one, every, it's assumed you're going to be addicted. If you pick it up, you're going to, mm-hmm. you're going to become addicted, but somehow we think that won't happen with alcohol or that it's a yeah. failure to become addicted instead of, yeah. you know, it's abnormal to not, Oh, don't get me going on this. <laughs> I know. Sorry. But I would, that does bring up something that I wanted to talk about and that it is, um, you know, even though I might seem like, Oh, it's easy. Obviously, it's not easy to not drink all the time. But one thing I do still struggle with quite a bit, and even over a year later, um, not that that's a long time, but, you know, now I feel less raw and, like, things are a little more under control, is I still really struggle with um, being out in social situations and, you know, telling people that I don't drink or I let people's reaction to when I tell them I don't drink affect me and um you know I would just put out there like it's okay to not and especially in the beginning I had some bad reactions from people I cared about about my not drinking and it's okay to just to not tell them that you're you don't drink anymore it's like I wish I had said um and still to this day I use that where you're just like oh and it's not so much lying but you just say I'm not drinking tonight or You know, because I know what, that's one hundred percent true. That's a hundred percent true. I'm not drinking tonight. Because um, I would go out know. and say, "Oh, I've decided not to drink," because I kind of wear my heart on my sleeve. And then people <laughs> say, "Why?" And they want you to have this like big, crazy, scary explanation. And yeah. I'm still not sure why, you know. But it was like it was just, you know, becoming not a good thing in my life or whatever. But people's reactions when they find out I don't drink, I still, you know, I have a hard time with that. I'm hoping in five years from now, I'll be able to say it's all figured out. But I mean, I think especially when you're so new at, at not drinking, that can be a huge, a huge thing, a huge trigger. And it's just a very emotionally uncomfortable spot to me a lot of the time. You know, I, I know what you mean about feeling awkward early on mm-hmm. of to how to, because you're so excited, right? Like it's such a big part yeah. of your life and it takes up yeah. so much energy during everything you do. I mean, most people that don't have a problem with drinking, they only think about drinking when they're at a party. But when you're trying to quit an addiction, I mean, you think about it from the time you wake up till the time you go to bed. So it's almost yeah. like, I felt like I kind of was like, bursting to tell people I was just like excited and terrified which is an awkward combination and Mm -hmm. um anyway I was recently at a party and I I, I'm a little socially weird too so I well not Mm -hmm. I don't mean too like you are but (laughs) I mean in addition (laughs) to all my other weirdness I'm socially weird and uh, uh but I can fake it you know so I go to this party that I wasn't too comfortable at and um uh Apparently, someone there who's kind of an acquaintance I hadn't seen for a while, I must have told him years ago that I wasn't drinking because he mm-hmm. comes up and he's like, hey, I haven't seen you for a long time. And I was drinking a, just a glass of soda water or something. And mm-hmm. he looks at my glass and obviously could tell it was just water. And he goes, oh, you're still off the sauce. Hey, like, how long has it been now? And 
I was I did not realize he even knew, but I kind of had this like vague mm-hmm. memory of like some awkward conversation yeah. with this group of people years ago um, that I tried right. to block out. So anyway, yeah, I'm trying to be all cool, you know, and I'm going like, yeah. uh, you know, five years, and and he's yeah. like, holy five years like oh wow like wow you're serious and he was making yeah. a big deal of it which I'm trying to quickly back up and I'm like oh my god how did I I kind of remembered that I'd kind of been really weird about it with him before mm-hmm. but I didn't feel that way now but now he did and I was like oh my yeah. god I still don't know how to say this I just I don't know let's just let this be weird I guess <laughs> yeah and that's the thing it's like it is okay to have that awkwardness because a lot of times, I mean, I think I've, with my close friends, I was really lucky because actually once I stopped drinking, I realized that a big group of my close friends actually didn't have a problem with drinking and actually didn't care. (laughs) And that was something that I realized too. It's like, oh, you really do go out and um, only have like a glass of wine and maybe even leave some in it. You know that I would Mm -hmm. never do that. And, um, so I think it's like, you know, you just need to learn to to just be okay with the fact that things are going to be really awkward and probably, you know, sometimes I was hurt by people's reactions, I think. And it's like, you know, you can't have too many expectations when you're telling people because a lot of times they're surprised or, you know, they don't know what to say or it hits, it hits close to home with a problem they might have. And, um, you know, it's it's like a very it's a very interesting thing that I still struggle with, but it's like you don't have to give everybody all of your information. And right. that's something I've learned. Like, especially in a yeah. larger so, social gathering, it's just like you can just say, oh, you know, you don't need to tell everybody your mm-hmm. your life story, which I tend to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's it goes along the same lines of when people say, hey, how are you? And then you you know you're not really supposed to tell them. Yes. <laughs> well, I have period cramps yes. today. <laughs> No, they don't want to know. <laughs> yeah, you just feel your guts. They're like too much, too much information. But I have found that, that there are times where that conversation just comes up and then it's mm-hmm. really beautiful. Like there there also mm-hmm. have been those really wonderful sort of quiet times and, um, mm-hmm. you know, like maybe having lunch with a friend or something where it's just a little bit easier and that's what I think it's easier for me is I don't have to like gear myself up to say it and then yeah. I don't replay it a million times afterwards anymore it, it, yeah. it's easier in that way I want to ask mm-hmm. you some of the nuts and bolts like do you remember some of the things you did early on did you sort of change your routine or like was there a special drink or a special you know um, ritual that you did to help you get through the evenings yeah, so I did, I hated that, you know, I was like textbook, like, you know, as it got closer to five o'clock, more anxiety and more just kind of jump crawling out of my skin. And like you said, in the early days, I just, it's like all I thought about all day. And um, I think I would just, the things I did were basically, I just did whatever my body felt. And I think I had a big, um, a lot of times that mind body disconnect but I really felt bad (laughs) when I stopped drinking like and then like that in those early days around five o'clock when I normally would start drinking wine so a good thing for me was taking a really hot shower I spent money on um, 
you know, like really nice shampoo or body wash and that kind of thing. And that kind of became a ritual to like take my mind off of that. And then I, um, not that you have to spend money, but I also splurged on some really comfy, you know, like PJs or sweatpants, that kind of thing. And so that those first few months, it was like, Hey, I'm, you know, not that you can stay home every night, but usually for me, I'm cooking dinner or whatever home with the kids. And so I would really, just allow myself to take a shower, dress in sweats, and just kind of, like, wind down. Um, I ate a lot of ice cream and candy. And, <laughs> and you know, I think I wish I, had, I wish I had been less hard on myself about treats because it's like, you know what, that struggle, I mean, it's so, looking back to, you know, a, a little over a year ago, which I know isn't, long for some people but for me it's like I feel so much better now than I did back then and I was kind of like you know of course hard on myself about eating treats or whatever but it's like get the kind of thing that's going to make you get through the night and honestly like I you know that really helped having like candy or even if you wanted to be healthy you could have whatever treats you like but really just like spoiling myself um Mm -hmm. you know at that hour and knowing that that hour is coming from 5 to 7.30, and I would also just sleep a lot. Um, you know, like I would go to bed early, curl up in bed, get on with my iPad and, you know, like look at blogs and that kind of thing. That really, really helps. But just to give yourself that space to start mm-hmm. healing because it is such a crazy journey, and you're not going to feel that bad forever. It's, it's you, really hard at first. Were you surprised at how well you slept, or did you have trouble sleeping? What did sleep look like for you? I, so of course, you know, in my head, skinny, doing Ironmans and sleeping like a baby. <laughs> I think I slept <laughs> better, but I didn't sleep. Like, people talk about this, you know, super heavy sleeping not so much for me, but I think I did, like I slept, I had better, I had better pattern and Mm -hmm. it's hard to, um, you know, the not waking up at 3am and hating myself for how much I drank that to me Mm -hmm. qualifies as better sleep. So, you know, it's just like resting your mind, but I was going to bed earlier. And so I don't think I was sleeping like super heavily, but that was one of my coping Mm -hmm. mechanisms was just getting to bed early. And, you know, the morning, yeah, but the morning, I think those sober mornings were were like, you know, the, the gift where you're like, okay, yeah. I did it. Like, yeah. this is awesome. This feels so good. So, like, in the beginning, I was like, I just need to get to the morning. But yeah. my sleep was, wasn't as good as it seemed to be for a lot of other people who stopped drinking. <laughs> and yet you said a couple times that you feel like a year isn't that long, but I have to tell you, a year is amazing. And I'm, every milestone is is huge. Yeah. I mean, the first 24 hours is huge. The second 24 hours is huge. Like, you know, sometimes yeah. getting through five hard minutes is its own milestone. Right. And I know what you mean. Like, I look back. And are you surprised how fast it's gone a year? Yes. Do you, yeah. do you find that? Because I couldn't imagine going two weeks without a drink. And that literally feels like only yesterday to me that I felt that yeah. way. Oh, like in the beginning, I remember just even, you know, thinking about getting through more than 
like two days. It was like unbearable. I mean, I actually felt like it hurt. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I mean, it just seems like such an impossibility. And, you know, at that 13 days, I remember that, you know, just emailing you and reaching out and it was like, wow, I can't, 13 days seems like forever. And, you know, there's like a sobriety calculator. You can go on on the internet and punch in the last time you had a drink and it tells you how many days it's been and minutes and seconds. And yeah. like, even though I could count it out myself, I remember that was like, you know, a big thing. And now it's like, oh, I've gone two months without punching in how long it's been. But in the beginning, it's just, it's, you know, it's a huge struggle. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I agree with you about the mornings. For me, the mornings, I would wake up and I would think, I did it. I got another day. Yeah. Like, I did it. I can't believe it. Um, yeah. I'm wondering if there's anything you tried um, that was really not helpful or that, you know, that didn't work, that you that you would definitely recommend not doing. Yeah, this was, um, you know, when I think about that, I I think I had joined one of those, but see, these are so helpful for, for some people, but mm-hmm. for me, it just wasn't my thing on, you know, where you can get on and join a group and then you get accepted to the group and then people make comments and then, you know, there was a lot of like negative feedback. So for me, anything where um, I kind of had to like block myself out from that stuff of I was too raw to kind of see negative, negative feedback. Um on any on anyone's like problems, you know, does that make any sense? Like, mm-hmm. if you go into the website and then someone's saying, "Hey, here's my situation," and then other people comment on that, that was hard for me to look and and have other people not be helpful to someone. Oh um, yeah. So, you know, so I kind of avoided those big group kind of chat room type things. Those were not yeah. helpful to me. And then there... also the um you know, the point of view of like, oh, I wish I could drink. I wish I was still drinking. I wish I could, you know, that kind of wistful attitude, um, which probably mm-hmm. some, you know, works for some people. I had to go more with the attitude of like, hey, you're free from drinking now. And, you know, there's a lot more things out there. Um, you know, that wistful kind of attitude of, oh, I wish I could be normal or that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So I get the feeling that you're a pretty sensitive person in terms of, like, you really, you feel things with your heart, it sounds to me, and yeah. um, and you listen to that. Like, you listen, you feel with your heart, but you listen to your gut, right? Yeah. And um, that's a pretty, like, you have to be pretty in touch with yourself to, to be mm-hmm. able to pay attention like that. And yeah. Like I'm, I find almost, I wonder sometimes, like I think a lot of us that are drawn to alcohol as a numbing thing, it is because we're sensitive and, and like, it's exhausting to be sensitive. Um, Yeah. Like I've had to learn some different ways to, to, just to to process things, I guess. I've had to change Mm -hmm. how I do a few things because like the way I used to do things was just an immature way in terms of like being a sensitive person. And I think I was led by that instead of mm-hmm. choosing what I felt sensitive about or not. Okay. Now I feel like mm-hmm. I'm rambling a little bit, but I'm caught up in my head because I'm still working on this piece of it. But I'm realizing that like for me at this stage, part of recovery 
is understanding that I can actually change how I internalize the world. Like I'm not just made this way. It's malleable somehow. Yeah, I think I definitely am sensitive and try and um, perhaps put up a front like I'm not sensitive and I don't care what people think, whatever. And I think I do try and live my life according to, you know, to what I want. But I think I not drinking has made me realize, like, like you said, how sensitive I am to other people or how I do care what people think, you know. And I have been working yeah. on that and just really you can't. And the control, just saying, like, hey, I can't really control how people react to me, but I can control my reaction. So just trying to be more mindful of, you know, what I, what I choose to get emotional about. But, you know, when you say, like, oh, why, or people say, why do you think you were drinking so much? And, you know, I don't really, I don't really know. I've done, you know, while I was still drinking about 10 years ago, I did intense counseling just about you know my childhood and life and everything and I just I still am not exactly sure why I was drinking so much and I think um, you know a year later it's still I'm still growing and still kind of coming to terms with all of that stuff because I think for the first like six to eight months I was just like I'm just not drinking (laughs) And trying to, and there's no rush, right? There's no rush to. You have the rest of your life to figure all that stuff out, and Mm -hmm. it 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 becomes a pleasure in my experience. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, I mean that. Yeah. As long as you're not drinking, you can do anything. You can take, and and unless you're, you know, hurting yourself or others with, with be other behaviors that aren't good. Mm -hmm. Like really, that's self discovery. That's that's the journey of a lifetime. It's a really yeah. It's a long, slow process. It's not the flip of the mm-hmm. switch. And being and the freedom that you have being alcohol-free is what gives you the space to do that for the rest of your life. Yeah. And I think I that think. is like, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, and I think, too, I didn't realize that when I stopped drinking, like, actually how much opened up. Um, and just, like, it's just to get all of that out of your system and to just not have to worry every, like, now I don't even think about 5 o'clock you know, or, or the fact that I'm not drinking You just go through your day and do other stuff. I still probably do those rituals, you know, of like, and like by showering or whatever, you know, just something to, whatever your comfort is, that's what you should do um, at the time that's triggered for your drinking. So that's what works for me is that like, I don't care if it's inconvenient that I'm supposed to be making dinner and instead I'm taking <laughs> a hot shower or whatever. Sure. It's like, to really prioritize what what you want to do, especially for those uh, you know first few months, is so is so huge because it's more. That's you know, great advice. Physical. I love that. Yeah, and I think just that in the beginning, not to I put all this pressure on myself to be you know mentally this and blah, and it's like no, just physically, don't drink. All the mental stuff will come later. Yeah. Exactly. You said there was two books you read that were really helpful. What were those? Well, one was that Jason Vale kicked a drink, which everybody talks about, but it was really, really helpful for me. And I didn't, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, he's pretty, pretty intense, but I felt like the messages were really good. Like I remember one thing he said, and this is not a direct quote, just a paraphrase is like, 
hey, if you went around and, and told someone you quit heroin, they would say, oh, my gosh, that you know, that's amazing, like, good for you. And it's just such the opposite thing when you're, say, you don't drink anymore, but really, you know, it's the same thing. It's like you are quitting something you're yeah. addicted to. Um, so that was a great book. And then I loved, of course, Mrs. D. Um, Mrs. D is going without Mrs. that book. Is book. Like, yes. Oh, my gosh. Her website and her blog and that She's great. book was like, yeah. oh, and it was just like what a treat to give yourself, right? Get a bunch of books that you can, you know, get into bed at night and read. That was a good one. Um, Caroline Knapp, what's, I think her book's like uh, oh. Drinking a Love Story. I love that a one. A Love Story. Yeah. 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 That. And then this was like a late discovery, but Glennon Doyle Melton, like I had no idea. Oh. And I just, I mean, <laughs> you, I, I had no idea. So she has a website or a Facebook page, Momastery, and two books, uh, Carry On Warrior. And then she just released a book called Love Warrior that is fan-effing-tastic. Have you read it? Have you read Love okay. Warrior? So, yes, I read it when it first came out. And I was like, um, hello, where have you been all my life? So I would highly recommend <laughs> her. I mean, she, and not only, you know, is she like sober, but she's just, so empowering and I feel like Mm -hmm. um off of her website and blog and Facebook page like I've gotten so many other resources for women that are great like hip hip sobriety and I think I should Mm -hmm. um that home podcast but yeah that love warrior I mean amazing loved it a plug here because you're mentioning some women that I'm going to be in New York with in May at the She Recovers in New York City event. So it's May yes. 5th. It's a three-day event. Glennon Doyle Melton is speaking. So is Gabby Berenstein and Elizabeth Vargas from 2020, whose book, mm-hmm. oh gosh, what's her book? Um, I can't remember the title of her book. She's amazing. And Marianne mm-hmm. Williamson are the four big keynote speakers. And then Holly and Laura from Hip Sobriety will be there. Yes. Uh, myself and um, Annie from This Naked Mind and just so many great bloggers. There's 12 of us bloggers that are going to be mm-hmm. there holding a session and then all these other speakers. So it's at sherecovers.co if anybody wants to know more about it. And um, amazing, amazing, amazing event yeah. coming up. But uh, between now and then, highly recommend Love Warrior. It's just mm-hmm. it's one of those books I'm buying for everybody I know and saying, just go read this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it, yeah, I mean, whether you have a problem with drinking or not, it's it's a great book, and that's what really helps me too. Is like just kind of searching the internet and books and everything to just find, um, you know, women I could relate to that were sober. Because not every blog, not yeah. every every podcast, whatever you're going to relate to, but find those ones that speak to you and go follow those. And I remember going, finding your website on Pickled, and then you ha- you put up pictures of, what a sober life looks like or it's something like that. And there, there you are like so cute and traveling and happy. (laughs) And I was like, Oh my gosh, like there's someone living their life sober, you know, and that had a huge impact on me. And it's like, you just 
follow what speaks to you. And, you know, if you can't find something that speaks to you when you're first um, sober, it's like just keep looking because it's out there. You know, for me to put those pictures up was literally terrifying for me. And the reason I did it was because I remembered that being in that, those early days and thinking like, what does it look like to be sober? Like I had this image of what alcoholics, what I, you know, what I thought that looked Mm -hmm. like and what I thought recovery looked like. And I was completely wrong. It looks like ordinary every day because it's all around us all the time. And, um, I was, I knew, I just thought I needed to look in someone's face and see what it looked like. And I'm going to put this out there to, because I, I felt like it was what I couldn't find. And, um, so it makes me happy to know that it was useful because that's exactly what I hoped would happen by doing that. I, my life isn't particularly exciting, but, Mm -hmm. but I am happy. And I think that that shows in, in our life. And that's, that's how we be that lighthouse, right? That, that just says, this is right. This is the truth and this is what's real. And, and um, sometimes like when you're, when you're lost and you're dying of thirst, that's the sip of water that you need is just somebody else's truth and vulnerability to get you through. Yeah. I mean, I like, I remember the pictures and just saying, Oh my gosh, she's just, just like regular out there. You know, like, I could just, I, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I could just be, yeah, yeah. you know, it can be done me yeah. and sober. Yeah. So uh, gratitude is a big part of recovery. What are some of the things mm-hmm. you are grateful for now? So let's see things I am grateful for now is, um, you know, I think is this, this might sound bad. So I'm sorry, but I think I am so much more grateful for myself and um, my body and my life. And I think I, and everything that comes with that, but it's like I am so grateful that something somewhere told me to stop drinking. And I don't know where that came from, but I am grateful for that strength that I had. And every day I remember that. Um, Because really it starts, for me, it starts, with myself, my body, my mind. And so I'm grateful that somewhere something in me said, enough, you're better than this. And I do remember that every day. And of of course I'm grateful for, you know, my friends who supported me and um, my husband and my family and, you know, this life I've been given. But it's like at the end of the day, I'm grateful that, you know, I did it. And I... Mm-hmm. Um, I'm grateful for the internet too, because really it helps you to, to do this without, you know, having to do things that make you uncomfortable. For me, I'm not, you know, it, it was hard for me in the beginning. I had a lot of shame and that kind of thing. So it was nice to be able to like have resources at home um, to do that. But I think um, meditation too has played a, a big part for me. And I had, hmm. so yeah, I, there's like a couple of apps that I use. Calm is an app that's great for meditation. And then Simply Being is another really good one. It's like guided meditation. So it's like maybe meditating without meditating, but just someone helps you do it and it's your phone. Um, and that has made me be grateful for like just the little things every day. So 
So I do. That's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, those morning. I think the morning is like, because every, I wonder if everyone who stops drinking likes the mornings as much as I do. Because it's just like waking <laughs> up and having that cup of coffee, not because you need it, but just because, like, it's good and you're happy and you made it through another night without drinking. It's yeah. like, I mean, it is, it's amazing. I still feel that way. It. I don't know if that, that ever, I mean, I'm not a morning person. Mm-hmm. I don't get much done in the morning, but I'm really, yeah. like, I jump out of bed and just, I know. I'm, I know exactly what you mean. I just, I get up and I am so happy it's another day. And yes, I think like I, yeah, I, I, I just, I choose every day now to be sober. I, yeah. I almost feel like, like at, at, there's at some point, I, I guess we choose all every moment of every day to be sober, but I really feel that, that I, I don't feel like I have to be sober anymore. Like, I'm mm-hmm. not sober because I have to be. I'm sober because I want to be. And mm-hmm. I mean, because I could drink again if I wanted it. That would make me, I, I know I would be drinking problematically in very short order, but it is my right mm-hmm. as a human to do that if I want to. Like, right. And so to know that I can consider it and reject it every day is like, it's a newfound yes. superpower too. It's really cool. Yes. I keep and jumping I in on you because you just. No. That's fine. Like, I feel that, too. Like, sometimes I'll get that that pang. You know, you hear someone say, oh, I'm going to go time for a glass of wine. And I get that pang, like, oh. And I think somewhere, some, you know, I read, I'm sure people say it all the time, but, like, really think that through. So, like, really, like, Corey, are you really just going to go have one glass of wine and be okay with that? <laughs> like, <laughs> I really think that, think that through. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. No, I can't do that. And um, one, one potato chip? One peanut, <laughs> one exactly. M&M. And I'm like, you know what, if I'm going to be, yeah, if I'm going to be just like, you know, eating a lot of candy or whatever like that is anything you do is better, you know, well, not anything, but a lot of things you do are better than drinking. So like I too feel grateful every day, like, okay, you know, this is a choice I'm making and this is why. And, um, you know, it does like, I just, it, it gets easier from that, those first few months are just looking back. I'm like, they were so hard. And, um, you know, it's, mm. it's like, but once you get through them, like those first 90 days, I felt like were the toughest, you know, and, and just day by day, it gets, it gets easier. Have you done anything to celebrate your milestones, 90 days or six months or a year? Did you do anything special? So at 90 days, I just, um, I had, I had planned this trip before I stopped drinking, but at 90 days, it just kind of happened. It was um, the anniversary of my aunt's death, the one-year anniversary of my aunt's death, and I planned a trip to Portland with one of my best friends. And so that kind of coincided perfectly of just kind of a celebration for myself. Um, So that was kind of one thing I did put out there. So, you know, it was out there, and I just thought, okay, if I can get to Portland – and, you know, without drinking, like, I'm going to celebrate that with this, this trip. And it was, it worked really well. And then I didn't really, you know, celebrate or anything until my year anniversary. And I kind of, my year anniversary was in August, and I kind of had a hard time with it. Like, I was feeling, um, I don't know if you've read the the blog, Mommy Was a Secret Drinker, but um, that's oh. a great blog. She is awesome. She doesn't post as much, but, like, 
her blog came into my life <laughs> just as I needed it, and it's Mummy Was a Secret Drinker, and her blog's awesome. And I actually um, emailed her and said, you know, I, it's my one-year anniversary. I felt like I should be feeling, like, so amazing, and I felt kind of blocked. Um, and I think it was just like, you know, you have so many expectations on it and it was just kind of, I was, I was just feeling a little blah. And then I saw someone and they were just posting about honoring your rhythm, you know, and it's Mm. like, we all go through ups and downs, right? That's like life. No one's high all the time. You know, it's like, this is life is rhythm, seasons, the earth, all that kind of stuff. And it was like, it really spoke to me that like honor your rhythm. So even though it was my one year anniversary, I wasn't really feeling that great, you know, and not, I wasn't sick, just mentally. It was like, "Ah, I'm not feeling that good. And that probably lasted a few days. Um, And we reached out and just talked about like, yeah, you know, it's okay. And to just honor your body's rhythm. Cause I think that's one thing, especially after drinking for so many years is your mind body disconnect. And that if mm-hmm. your body and your mind are just kind of in a low point, that's okay. Like, you know, that's maybe a good time to say, hey, it's time for self-care, rest more, eat better, that kind of thing. Anyway, this is a long answer to your question. But so after a few days, I did feel better. And I went, um, I thought, you know, I like jewelry. I was like, oh, I'm just going to go downtown to this vintage jewelry store and see if they have anything. And they had this beautiful <clears throat> little very little diamond band and it's also close to my 40th birthday so I bought that for myself and I wear it all the I time love it. I love it yep that's and fabulous. I looked at it and it's like you know I deserve that I I earned that <laughs> so I like your advice I like I like I love that you waited until you felt you know ready to yeah. celebrate fully for that because mm-hmm. that's great advice too to honor honor the rhythms and and understand that it's rhythm that let's go up and down. That's right. great and the, advice. And the expectations, you know, where it's like, hey, sometimes your rhythm doesn't really coincide with the expectations. Like, <laughs> I remember right. a few Christmases ago, not feeling the holiday joy, you know? And it's like, hey, yeah. that's okay. Instead of kind of beating ourselves yeah. up about it or trying to say, oh, we should be like this. It's like, no, you should be however you feel. So, mm-hmm. Something new I'm trying, being honest with myself. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, it's hard. Can you believe that our hour is up already? It is? No, I can't. Thank (laughs) you so much for having me on here. You, like, when I say that you, like, changed my life, you really did. Like, when you reached out, it was so huge for me. So thank you so much. That's my honor. And, you know, it's what we all do in recovery. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. and I'm really speaking to you and me and other bubble hour hosts and everybody listening. This is, we're in this together. Really. We really are. Mm -hmm. And, and like, I cherish your recovery as much as my own and anyone that reaches out to me, I'm, I've been in a real funk this last couple months and I haven't been as good Mm -hmm. about getting back to people. I'm trying to get caught up with that, but from the bottom of my heart, it like I stand with you and honor what you're doing because it's just, it is a privilege to be doing this together. Even I, I have this dream that one day in heaven, all of us that touched each other's life will get to just have this gigantic group hug and be like, I'm the person that commented on your blog. You know, <laughs> I'm the person that liked yeah. your post. 
and and where we can all just like just stand in each other's presence and feel the power that we all give each other. It's I, I mean I I'm I'm I really am glad you're here. Thank you for paying your story forward because I know that um, these this time that we spend telling our stories, you know, there's there's a lot of people listening and and I'm glad that they're here and it just it all pays forward. We all just we all take our turn stepping up and and reaching our hand out to the next person and so I'm glad you reached out to me and I'm glad you're reaching back for for the next one too. Thank you for being here. Yes. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Um so Listeners, if you heard something in today's story that you um, that resonates with you and you would like to get a message to Corey, of course you can email it to me. Uh, my email address is thebubblehour at gmail.com and I will send your messages on to Corey and make sure that she hears uh, what you have to say about today's show. As I've said, um, the Bubble Hour is off the air until after the holidays now. Meanwhile, I'll be updating my blog over at unpickledblog.com. I'm going to try to answer some of my emails. I today have 90 eight emails in my inbox so I'm going to get back to you all I swear to God um, and once again you know as the bubble as the uh, uh, the bubble the holiday season looms before us go to the bubblehour.com search holidays in the search bar and uh, listen to some of those old podcast episodes even if you've heard them before you know where you're at today is different than where you were at when you heard them last time so I encourage you to re-listen to old shows because I guarantee you will hear something you didn't hear before. In fact, you'll hear the whole thing differently because you are different now. So I encourage you to go check that out. So with all that in mind, um, we just send out love and, and, and gratitude to each and every person connected to this show, listeners and participants alike. And um, I guess that's it for now. So everyone, until 2017, take good care. And thanks for listening. Not proud that that was me And when I face it I take back a little dignity Not looking for excuses I just want to be free from power Weakness head on me In a dark corner is where shame lies behind We think you're strong You in there, and the one who matters most can always.
Yeah.